0: Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the podcast Southern Fried Soccer. I'm in Sandy, Utah, where Atlanta United was beaten by Real Salt Lake 2-1 to one, uh, with a goal in the fourth minute of stoppage time by Jefferson Savarino. It was a, a fantastic effort on his part, a fantastic strike, uh, really an unstoppable shot uh, for Brad Guzan uh, as Atlanta United lost its second consecutive game for the first time since 2017. Uh, I'm joined by Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net and 92.9 FM. Please forgive the background noise you may hear. Uh, There's a a cool game going on right now on the field here at Rio Tinto Stadium, one of the prettier stadiums in Major League Soccer. But anyway, Jason, what did you make of tonight's game?
1: um took a while to get going uh tired legs heavy legs the substitutions of Pitti martinez and franco escobar in about minute 60 or so definitely brought a spark they helped combine to find the equalizer and you get that goal you got the stoppage time it felt like they were going to get out of here with a point and that would have been a good point on a night like tonight that would have been a good point but one more breakdown at the top of the 18 and both goals were, were kind of similar from Rail Salt Lake, and their wingers cutting across and, and finishing in Zone 14, and that's what Rail Salt Lake does really well. They're a tough team to beat here; they find a way to win.
0: Yeah, the uh, Joseph Martinez goal in the 78th minute—it was his team-leading sixth goal—and it snapped day or ended a streak of. No goals from open play at like 363 or something like that. All the numbers are running together in my head right now. I think 363 or 378, something like that. I've kind of lost track of what the number is, but it's a lot. But anyway, going back to that final goal, Frank DeBoer was telling me uh, afterward that when the ball was in, when Atlanta had lost the ball in Real Salt Lake's end, he was telling his players foul, foul, foul. Mm -hmm. Nobody was fouling. The ball came down the field. Eventually, Savarino got it on the left side uh, in the middle, kind of the middle left of the pitch. Leandro Gonzalez-Perez stepped out, repeatedly tried to tackle him, did everything but just haul him down in a very dangerous place for a free kick. And Savarino kept shrugging him off and shrugging him off, and no other Atlanta United player stepped up. None of the defensive midfielders, Miles Robinson didn't. The play had already kind of moved over to the other side. Yeah, The fullback on the other side didn't step up. And so Gonzalez prez was kind of on an island, and I know he's getting killed on Twitter, but I really don't know what more he could have done. If you do foul him, you risk a free kick, and I think I would rather give up the dribble and that shot than a free kick at that point in the game.
1: I think he got to a point where, in the the situation where he did try to foul and he couldn't even foul, he was just he was just beaten by a player who, I mean, let's let's be honest, he was fresher. Yeah. And he had the strength to hold him off, and it wasn't like it was a, a bad decision. Or, or, you know, we've seen some mistakes from L.G.P. this season. We've talked about it this year, but this was not that. This was just getting beat in a moment where, out of the, I think we're over 1,200 minutes played, or we're at 1,200 minutes played in league play for Atlanta United. Leandro Gonzalez Perez has played all but about 40 of them. Yeah. And it, it showed a little bit there because he didn't have the strength to hold off Savarino. I don't I mean, anybody
0: help him. Either. Yeah,
1: no, he was, he was left on an island, and, and it goes back to the beginning of it, and you could see the reaction from Frank DeBoer as that ball goes in. He wanted a foul in the buildup because he knew where his team was in transition. They struggled in transition all night. That's both physical fatigue and mental fatigue. And not fouling in that moment is part of that mental fatigue. You have to just break the play up. You're deep in stoppage time. That might have ended it.
0: Yep. So you can kill Gonzalez-Perez if you want to. If I were you, I'd be a little more upset about the first goal. Um, On the first goal, the pass came diagonally from right to left, kind of, uh, again, in the left-middle channel. Uh, Saucedo got the ball, started dribbling, Parkhurst passed him off to Lorenowitz as Parkhurst chased a runner down the left. Lorenowitz just, I don't know what quite happened, but just didn't move out on right. Saucedo. And Gonzalez-Perez was slow to come out and close down the shooting angle. And it was a, it was a fairly easy goal. You might can say, I mean, looking at where the ball went in, Guzan might could have done a little bit better, but I really don't think so.
1: No, nah, it's a reach. I think it would be a reach. Um, I I don't even know if I'd really put uh, LGP much on this one either. Uh, You handled your your handoffs the right way in that because of the runners. and It's a very similar goal to what Salcedo scored against Toronto. It's something that he's very good at. You knew the game plan coming in for Real Salt Lake. They like to have their wingers cut across. They like to hit those shots from distance. They're very good at it. Salcedo's got goals in back-to-back games and he was the man of the match tonight. He was outstanding in all facets. He led Rail Salt Lake in tackles, uh, very good on the dribble, hardworking player. He's a national team-level player, and he's a guy that I think we will see in a U.S. shirt.
0: Uh, let's talk about Atlanta United's offense a little bit. Um, DeBoer tried some different things tonight to try to spark a little bit. He, uh, Dion Pereira got his first start in place of the injured Hector Viaba who might not have started even if he's healthy because he's been going full bore the past few games. Pity Martinez, who I was thought might get the Nagby-Parkhurst treatment for Vancouver and not even make this trip, uh, did make the 18 and, of course, came off the bench because he got an assist on Martinez's goal. But he was replaced by Nagby and that attacking midfielder role. I didn't really think that worked very no, well tonight. It didn't. Um, it just... The offense, you know, the formation is a familiar one for Atlanta United, but for whatever reason, fatigue or something, it's just not working these past couple of games.
1: Well, when you change the individuals, and and for me, fatigue was more of an issue in that regard Mm in New York. It it was an issue here today, too, but also Pereira first start plays that role very differently than Vialva. Nagby as the 10 plays that role very differently than Pity Martinez it took them way too long to find any kind of a comfort level and any kind of chemistry I thought honestly what was starting to look better as the first half went on was Nagby dropping deeper where he's more comfortable getting on the ball and Rometty pushing up higher and just trying to change things with his energy second half with the subs one thing that was very interesting that I thought worked really well was Pity Martinez came in and he didn't come in centrally he came in on the right side and it was Julian Gressel who moved into the middle. Pitti on the right side, cutting in on his left foot. He looked pretty good, and he had some moments. He did have some bad moments. He had some good moments. He contributed on the goal.
0: Yes. Um, I was The subs, you know, I had put two different scenarios out when I saw an assistant coach talking with Pitti and Franco. At first, I thought it was going to be Lerowitz and um, Parkhurst. Uh, Coming off, but then as I started thinking about it, Atlanta United was having a lot of success down the right and very little success down the left. And that's the side that Pereira and Shea were on. And they didn't really combine very well tonight, but that's to be expected because they haven't played together before. Um, So I thought those two might come off. And instead, Frank pulled one from each side. So then I thought, well, kind of keep the right side intact with Parkhurst and Gressel and move Pitti and Franco over the left. Franco has played left back before, but he kind of mixed it up. And it did give him a little bit of a spark. Uh, you know, Pity yeah, Pity hit a couple of good free kicks. Mm-hmm. I thought he his pass to Franco while it was a little bit behind Franco, and Franco made a, a good play on the ball to make it playable so that he could pass it across to Martinez. Yeah, it just his his lack of consistent effort still just drives me a little bit nuts when I watch him. There was a pass. Joseph tried to lead him down the right. Pity, who has fresh legs, didn't even try to run after it. And then as the ball came back up the field, a player with the ball was five yards from him, pity didn't even make a move to try to close him down or tackle him. That's the stuff that just drives me a little bit crazy when I watch him.
1: Yeah. um, If you're out wide, you have to put in some of that work. If you're in centrally as a 10, you have two guys covering for you in this type of shape, and that's kind of the, the idea. But if you're out wide, and he did it some, he did not do it consistently enough, it's not the strong part of his game. Um, going forward is his stronger point. He had some moments tonight, still not where you want it to no. be. But this is a tough spot, I think, for where they are at the moment because you've got two more now, and you've yep. got two more at home. And
0: There's no time to rest. You'll, no, you'll fly there's home no time Saturday. to rest or
1: train or really like mm-hmm. you know create a new tactical plan. And that was the hardest thing about this is – same shape, and that's really all you could do, but it's different personnel, and they've had no time to train together in that shape, and it showed.
0: Yeah, I guess this – going. just one more point about Pity. I guess this is my – the one thing I'm, I'm trying to figure out. When you come off the bench, you're supposed to go off the bench and provide energy. Mm-hmm. Run. That, on top of him not making the Argentina Copa America squad, if I were him – Whenever I'm in the game, I'm going to work my tail off at all facets. And it just, you know, that was just a little bit disappointing, especially when you're fighting to try to get that point and you just don't make the effort. Um, it
1: wasn't consistent. And, and that's the one thing I would want to clarify. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's true. Yeah, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was just standing around. around. Right. There were defensive times that he did get stuck in and he did work defensively. It just wasn't consistent. I, I'm with you on that.
0: So I thought Pereira did, he was solid. You know, first start. um,
1: Solid, like kind of faded as the night went on, which is to be expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Made some kind of simple mistakes towards the end. He he put in good work all the way around. It wasn't just try to feed him and let him go 1v1. He was making some runs off the ball. He put in some defensive work as well. It was about what you would expect. Um, He had earned the start. He earned it with his good performance at Red Bull Arena. I don't know if he gets another one on Wednesday. I would probably think that maybe Justin Merrim is in line for one if you see more rotation, if you can't go back to your normal starting 11.
0: It's a uh, – yeah, in line out it's in a really interesting spot because had you said when this stretch of eight games and 28 started, if you had gotten through six games and you had won four – you would think, that's fantastic. You would
1: have taken it in a heartbeat. But
0: instead, you'll lose to a 10-man Red Bulls team off of a def- defensive mistake with an offense that just couldn't create anything. And then you lose tonight on a goal in the fourth minute of stoppage time. Two more, or one defensive mistake, one just – I guess you can call the second goal a mistake on somebody's part. I don't Man, know it's who's. a tough one to call. I don't know who's. I wouldn't put it on Leandro Gonzalez Perez, that's for sure. Maybe a team collective mistake. Um, and I think the team is gonna be hurting a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, but you got two more to pick it up on. and and that's what's weird about this game sometimes is if you told me that with the schedule that they had coming up, that they would be five and two, or if I'm not mistaken, six and three. I think they've won six out of the last nine if I'm going all the way back you take that, and you'd be happy, and you'd think that you would be happy. Well, after losing two in a row the way they have, that happiness has faded. Yeah. And now you have to find the happiness again as yeah. you go back home with two games where, honestly, over the month you feel pretty good about where you are, but over the last week you don't.
0: The easiest way to do it, and this is easy for me to say, is to get Joseph on the ball. He, he tonight, he tried to create some chances – but he had just 26 touches, yeah, that's, in that's 90 low minutes.
1: For him. That's low for him this year.
0: Yeah, it's just you know the offense that the final pass is missing the final third. There are so many times the fullbacks would win back the ball, look up the wings for somebody to pass to because it's the shortest pass. Nobody to go to. There's no one there. Joseph is isolated with not a player around him for 25, 30 yards. A teammate. So even if he gets the ball, there's not much he's going to be able to do with it. Um. I, I, I don't know exactly what the answer is right now.
1: Rest, and, and that's all you got. And there's a lot of teams that are struggling with this right now. We looked at one thing on the full-time report as we were finishing up. When you look around the league, there's not many teams that have won four of their last six. And there's a lot of teams dealing with compress, compressed schedules right now. One of them is Rail Salt Lake. They've won four of their last six. Uh, Philadelphia has won four of their last six. Um, even LAFC has not won four their last six it's not easy to go through this gauntlet and even with these last two you're still in a pretty good spot in the Eastern Conference you can't let it get further away from you but right now you'd be hosting a playoff game as we finish tonight it's not as bad as it might feel after these last two I don't think it's as good as maybe it was feeling after winning five in a row either Somewhere in between. There's definitely more room to progress with this group.
0: Yep, that is true. All right, Jason, what do you have upcoming
1: uh, on this
0: Memorial Day weekend?
1: Rest, sleep, um, flying back to Atlanta tomorrow. Overreaction Monday. We will be live Monday morning, 9 to 11 on Soccer Down Here. Uh, you can listen on the app, you can listen at soccerdownhere.net, and you can listen on Spreaker.
0: Yeah, uh, I've updated the game story with quotes and context. Obviously, this podcast will post. I'll have player ratings, probably have a little short on Dion Pereira, probably a little something on the offense, probably space them out over the next couple of days because it is a holiday weekend. I want to say happy birthday to my wife, uh, to my son, to my dad, to my niece, and to other family members as we continue a very, birthday heavy month of May. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal of Constitution. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal of Constitution.